Hello, Professor Fitzpatrick. This is Fabrizio Ferrari from Virtual Sheet Music with some questions for you from our viewers. The first question is from Sophia Winkler. She says, thanks for all the information. Would you please clarify how should be the basics divided? I really admire Dele's work, but it is very difficult to find trustful information online. Thank you, Fabrizio, and thanks for the question, Sophia. Well, first of all, I'd like to share with you something I asked Ms. DeLay while being a student at Juilliard. See, one day I asked her, when are you going to write a book like Mr. Galamian? She looked at me, slightly smiled and said, never. I asked her why, and she said, you see, Billy, when you write things down, people go, aha, that's what she thinks. That's what we're supposed to do. Well, she didn't want this to happen. We both sort of smiled, but that reaction stuck with me. You see, in her reaction, you get a glimpse into the reasoning behind why her students play so differently. <laughs> Simply put, she taught everyone differently. Well, this was a gift to us all as we were being encouraged through her manner to be who we were and not be kind of a delay student prototype. Here's a story that could shed a little light on this. You see, I was talking with a friend about Miss Delay, and this friend said to me, huh, it's sort of like you've got this elephant, you see, and there are all of these people standing around that elephant who can't see, blind or have a blindfold on, and they're touching different parts of the elephant. Each time they touch, they go, aha, that's what an elephant is. You see, maybe they were touching the tusk, I don't know. And another, aha, that's what an elephant is. Maybe he's touching the tail. So you see, they were all right. They were just standing around and touching the elephant in different parts of the elephant's body. We all experience the wonderful teaching of Miss Delay, just not in the same ways. Thank goodness. Now let's look at that sheet. Basics, and you see underneath one hour. This, this caused me a little problem because you see, there are eight minutes. Everything is scheduled at eight minutes. Well, if you count them all up, it doesn't equal an hour. Anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll get back to that. Left hand first. One, articulation. Sefshik, Opus 1, Book 1, or similar material. I took the similar material and did Shradiak. Two, shifting. Yost Books 1, 2, and 3. Well, you have to be careful, at least I think so, because the Yost book that I used was this one. Not this one. We'll come back to this over five minutes per hour thing as well. Vibrato exercises. Well, the one she gave me was, well, one of the ones she gave me was 
two, three, etc. Until you got to. Now we turn to the right hand. Legato, using a whole bow. Tone control exercises, in other words, point of contact. Weight. Speed. Bow grip. You know how many different ways we can do this. All of them are valid depending on the sound we want to get. Bow changes. Next, number two, martele, cole. Or, I used to have fun doing it here or going up and down. That's a lot of fun. Staccato. Detaché, number three. Porte, which is like the staccato, but more refined. Four, bouncing. Strokes that are bouncing. Spaccato. The hair bounces above the string. Sautier. The hair stays on the string, it's the stick that bounces. Ricochet. That's her basics sheet. Oh, now, she wrote eight minutes for everything. Well, because of her training in psychology, this was a magic number. Eight. I think we need to get though beyond eight. We need to not fixate on fixate on eight, but fixate on the idea that we need things to be timed. We need things could be two minutes of this, four minutes of this, two minutes of this, but we need to create a situation where things are timed. And that way we adhere to her eight minutes. Hmm. If I look at shifting number two in the left hand, she even hints at it by saying, or five minutes per hour. Nothing, nothing is, is placed in concrete. I hope that answers your question. And Antia Mensin asks the following. Hey, Professor Fitzpatrick, I have a question for you. I play the violin with a tuner from the beginning, but still I have problems with intonation. How long do people normally need to play properly and correctly in tune? Okay, Antia, those are interesting questions. Why don't we start with tuners? You see, tuners for woodwind players are really essential because they need this to discover their pitches. They, this is... My son's an oboist, and he uses a tuner. I mean, people use tuners. They have them on their stands and everything. We, however, as violinists, 
Well, we don't have holes with which to put our fingers in. We don't have frets. So it's a little different for for us to try to figure out where to, to get those notes. Um, sort of reminds me of a story of a, a teacher, I won't say what nationality, who was asked by a student, was, I'm having such a hard time with pitch. I, I, I don't know what to do. And the teacher looked at him and said, but it's very simple, you see. You figure out where you need to put your finger and you just keep putting it there. <laughs> if only were that simple. But it's an interesting answer nonetheless. You see, we when we're dealing with intonation, we're trying to find where through our ears to put our fingers. And so and we can come up with all kinds of ways to go about this. Perhaps it would be a good idea to look at some videos that I've done on 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 the discussion on this discussion of intonation. I'm giving you the titles, in fact, up, up as I'm reading right now. Um, well, tuners. I'm not crazy about tuners. Don't think it's a great idea. So I don't talk to my students about it. How long does it take? Well, tell you what. I'm past 70, and I haven't come anywhere near close to finding that intonation. As, as Miss DeLay said to me once, you know, Billy, no one plays in tune. It's just some people can change the note quicker than other people and make you believe that that's true. So, I think... We're just sort of destined to keep trying to play in tune. And finally, Christian Wan remarks, so no smoking, no shaking bow. Any other factors that would help shaking bows? Thank you, Professor. Thanks, Christian. <laughs> it brings back a lot of memories. Anyway, quite simply, one of the things that make your bow shake would be not knowing if you're going to go down bow or, or, or up bow and you, and you hesitate, you sort of freeze. Or you're going to play it with a third finger or a second and you have to think about it and you'll freeze. This is not knowing. I mean, it's, it's like there's a certain amount of fear. In that moment of incertitude, you know, the fear that was uh, around the corner, well, suddenly it comes and it places itself on your shoulder. <laughs> Smiling and waiting to confirm your failure at achieving what you were trying to do. In any event, not knowing interferes with your ability to focus and this could be the thing that's causing your bow to shake. Oh, yes. Have you noticed that your bow can shake on its own accord? I mean, there's a spot in every bow 
that the boat just sort of quivers a little bit. You can tell it if you draw your bow really slowly. And you'll hear at a point that the bow starts to almost bounce. Every bow has that spot. And we have to learn how to manage the weight to alleviate this problem. Well, suppose you were at a concert. And all of a sudden, you see the bow. You're holding the last note of a piece. And you see the bow shake. Wouldn't that make you just frightened? Wouldn't that frighten you? Wouldn't even have to be the last note of a piece. Could be, could be in the middle, the ending of a phrase. Wouldn't that startle you? Wouldn't that make your bow shake? even more food for thought so thanks again Fabrizio for bringing these questions from from viewers so that we could have a little chat about them who knows this is such a good idea that perhaps we'll do it again we'll see in any event until then please please be safe and I'll see you the next time.